Welcome back, Podcast Land. Howdy. Another week. Another episode. That's what we do. Uh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, so we're recording this episode uh, on January 7th, 2022. Not to date the episode or anything. And we just found out that it is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, Nicholas Cage's birthday. Happy birthday. 58 this year. Man, what a... 58? 58. Is that it? That's it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And and what an incredible career it has been. Uh, man, I just love Nicolas Cage, and I'm so happy that we get to celebrate him today. Yes. Uh, who, who was I seeing the quote that uh, called him one of the few uh, true artists in uh, acting? I can't remember. I saw that earlier. But he just, he, no matter what it is, you can expect something exciting out of him. Right. Like even, even when he, even when he phones things in, it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't go wrong with him because even when it is wrong, you are entertained. Exactly. In every possible way. Even in a bad movie, it's like worth seeing it at least once for him. Yeah. Even even when it's a bad Nicolas Cage, it's a good (laughs) Nicolas Cage. (laughs) He is, a true master of his craft and his craft is being Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm very upset that, um, was it last, last week, uh, vampires kiss or whatever. I didn't, I didn't, didn't get to see it yet. I, I oh, so badly want to see that weird, movie. weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's one I have not seen. I've just, I know seen that's the one that's got the, the, memes. The, the memes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. (laughs) Uh, What's what's that movie coming out next year? The unbearable weight of an incredible talent or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, the one with uh, him and um, Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal. Thank you. His name just dropped out of my head. That's the second time that's happened. (laughs) I, I don't know why I just, I start thinking of him, and the only thing I think is Din Jaren. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, he was also in uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl sort of semi sequel. We can be heroes. Awesome. So what Who's are uh, uh, what are some of our um, favorite performances? I guess. Oh you know, boy, Pig really showed range. Pig is such an excellent performance from him. Like, I've never seen him play old man. And he played old man. Downtrodden hermit. It was I'm, good. I'm an asshole. Still hasn't seen it. But. Darn asshole. Yeah, I honestly think Nick, Nick Cage should be nominated for the Academy Award this year. He's so good in Pig. Nice. I agree. Um, his, other, his other 2021 film, Prisoners of the Ghostland, also pretty incredible mm. i have not seen that one uh i'll just say this uh he has bombs strapped to his testicles <laughs> <laughs> if that just tells you what kind of movie you're in for <laughs> just somebody watched guns akimbo was like how can we make this weird? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i absolutely love him in stuff like adaptation too where he's playing Charlie and Donald Kaufman. Yeah. When he does weird uh, dramatic roles, it, it just always works out too. Like you said, it always works out no matter what it is. But yeah. 
uh yeah like i i love him in ridley scott's matchstick men that's oh god that is a weird and fun <laughs> performance is, he has such a freaking library that there's so much i still haven't seen yeah i'm looking at uh yeah. i'm looking at cagewheel.com right now oh i don't know what i intend to do with this but i have it up just in case <laughs> <laughs> well Here, let's, let's, let's give it a spin just for fun yeah, so uh, if you've never been to cagewheel.com, there are four different wheels because that's just the output of Nicolas Cage over the last 40 years. I would say be careful on that website. It is not a secure website. Yeah, I know. It, it, Google was kind enough to let me know this. <laughs> but I'm a madman. Just like Nicolas Cage himself. All right, so I'm going to spend the... I think this is the first wheel, which seems to have a lot more of his more popular uh performances and films okay so we'll we'll give that a spin let's see what happens Tasty. nicholas nicholas cage's face spinning around and around uh and we stop at kick-ass kick-ass all right yeah i was kind of excited because it just it, it's right next to next and i thought me and jonathan <laughs> could have fun talking about next but no here's kick-ass which oh he's him as big daddy what a good performance indeed yeah. That was uh, kind of kicked off a, a new uh, level of Nick Cage renaissance. I mean, he never went away, but I feel like that was like he burst back onto the scene with a, a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like that performance brings him back around to kind of a crowd favorite. And he stayed in a weird zone of crowd favorite after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but before that, he just kind of ebbed and flowed in his popularity. All right. Uh, here, we'll give it another spin. I still need uh, to see Left Behind. It's. I not. saw the. Well, they're not <laughs> going to be good, but I saw like the Kirk Cameron ones. I'm. They I'm gonna terrible. I'm gonna say something <laughs> now that is just. Again. Yeah, I'm gonna say something right now that is absolutely wild, and you can take it with whatever grain of salt you want. But the Kirk Cameron one was better. Wow. <laughs> Don't waste another minute on your crying. Uh, I, I spun it around, and we got uh, exactly the film that describes Nicolas Cage himself, National Treasure. Oh, <laughs> What really? a wonderful performance from him. <laughs> uh, you can stare at my chest while I go to the next wheel. Okay, um, okay so I'm on the next mm. wheel now. Do, <laughs> does anybody have anything they want to say about National Treasure before I spin the next wheel? I got nothing. I, I appreciate, you know, the representation of different Nick Cage hairstyles uh, that we see in That's things true. like National Treasure and, you know. Uh, each each of the Nicolas Cage pictures in the wheel, in all four wheels, have like a different representation of Nicolas Cage hair, too. So nice. know that if you go on this unsecure Cage wheel site. <laughs> All right, we're going to give wheel number two a spin. This has got this has got some of his like second tier stuff and some of the yeah. weirder things. Uh, we got Kiss of Death, a Nicolas Cage film I have not seen. Me either. Kiss of Death. Jonathan, have you seen it? Kiss of Death. I don't think so. Well, look here. No, no I have not. Writing With, it down. Uh, David Caruso. Oh, 
So we're talking like late 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson from the director of Single White Female and Reversal of Fortune. Single oh, White wow. Female, looking for that special 1995. Okay. Oh, wow. That's uh, the year he wins the Academy Award, I believe, yeah, from leaving Las Vegas. That is. Looks. Cage and Sam Jackson, <laughs> I'll watch it. He's got Stanley Tucci in it. Oh. <laughs> Man, you just keep, what you the just fuck? keep saying Rames. things. Oh, hey, here we landed on a film directed by uh, Nicolas Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. Oh. Uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. What a great movie. Yeah. What a great movie. Uh, really great performance from Cage. Really good performance from Kathleen Turner. And a young Jim Carrey. And a young Jim Carrey. Pre- Special. Pre-In Living Color Jim Carrey. Yeah. Would you look at that? I want to know what this untitled Nick Cage Amazon Studios project is because it doesn't have a title, but his he has a character and he's oh. the only person casted in this whole thing. That does it have a potential date? Just says announced. <laughs> he's playing or voicing Lord Highfire. Lord Highfire. Okay, I'm immediately interested in whatever is happening here. I also want to know what this Renfield is, where he's playing Dracula. Oh, yeah. And, um, oh, I, I, I heard about this, and I'm trying to think of who's playing, who's playing Renfield. Uh, Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Okay. And it's got Adrian Martinez and Aquafina and Ben Schwartz in it. I'm trying to see whatever this is. Being directed by Chris McKay, who has done some stuff. Chris I like McKay. Stuff. Mainly right. the Tomorrow War. Oh. And oh. the Lego Batman movie, too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have spun wheel number three now. Yeah. And I have landed on Outcast, which is probably one of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, 2015. Uh, this looks like one of his straight to, uh, straight to VOD films. Because they cast? Outcast. Oh, Outcast. Outcast. I, I haven't seen this or heard of it, but it's from 2015, so I have to assume that it's one of the many, many straight-to-VOD films he does these days. Yeah. Have not seen it. Big fan of the oh, group. There it is. 2014 Outcast with Hayden Christensen. Oh what? Now I've got to watch this. Legends are born in battle. <laughs> Sometimes they lose their Nick names. Powell, who was a stunt guy. All right, so you got one more wheel. I got, I got one more wheel, and I one more wheel. I keep spinning really obscure. uh, Well, I mean, if you're on that last wheel, oh, the oh wow, the last wheel's interesting. Okay, I I really want you guys to see this uh, poster for Outcast because it is just phenomenal. (laughs) Let's see if I can. All right, there's a few things on here I am familiar with and a bunch of stuff that I have no idea. So we're going to we're going to find out. And a couple things I'm really excited if we hit them. Also, the Nicolas Cage on this looks very drunk with the hat, with like a like a Indiana Jones hat. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it landed on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Hell yeah. Nice. Oh. Spider-Man to War is amazing. So good. All right, let's see if perfect I choice it. for that too. Yeah, uh, it, and and it was right next to Color Out of Space, which is also incredible. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, check it out! It's a 
his name just dropped out of my head. Holy shit. Um, I've written it down. Lovecraft? Lovecraft. I believe it's a Lovecraft adaptation. I'm looking at this poster now. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. Mm. Teen Titans Go to the Movies is on here where Nicolas Cage finally gets to play Superman. Yes. Finally. Uh, and uh, Mandy is on here, which is incredible. Oh, Mandy. See, Hayden Christensen has the uh, Hawkeye haircut there, but pre Hawkeye. <laughs> I Yeah. <laughs> Look at the camera while you slice this guy's neck. Okay. No. All, All right. right, so that's that's our small, weird one-off discussion. Yeah. Of Celebrate the man, the myth, the legend. Indeed, you know he's been a he's been a running joke over two podcasts now, and uh, we just thought we'd give him his due for how much we really do appreciate him. Indeed, absolutely. So, so let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about him. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Risky Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history, try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week? Zach. We're watching Driving Miss Daisy, a film that teaches us if a little old Jewish lady can be friends with Morgan Freeman, <laughs> racism's over. Is this everybody's first time watching this movie? No. Actually, yes. Oh, that was a a no for me. And also, that means I got this one right. Because I guess you actually, I think you only mixed up um, one. You had Out of Africa, which I had seen. Let me go back and see what you got your predictions in front of me. I do. I have them right here. Yeah. So for you, I had guessed Ordinary People, Chariots Uh of Fire, Out of Africa, The Last Emperor, and Driving Miss Daisy. So the only one that you got wrong was out of Africa. Sounds right. Is, uh, that's the only one I'd seen. So very good. And I picked Ordinary People, Chariots of Fire, Out of Africa, and Gandhi for you. <laughs> and I hadn't seen Last Emperor. I literally just guessed the four films I hadn't seen. And then one extra one for you. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Nice. Uh, what, what was the one you hadn't seen that I didn't guess correctly? The only one that I have wrong on here is out of Africa. Right. Right. But you but I you said you hadn't seen five films and I guessed one wrong. So I, I, I couldn't remember what the one you hadn't seen that I guessed wrong was. No, I'm ordinary people, chariots of fire, last emperor, driving Miss Daisy or what I got right. Yeah. I'm sorry for this. I'm I'm confusing myself now. Uh okay. 84 was Amadeus. 83 was Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment, I have not, I had not seen. So that was okay. There we go. So we swap the Terms of Endearment and Out of Africa. All right. So all that, all that being said, thank you. No, this is not the first time I had seen this. So, Jonathan, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? No, this is just another one of mom's favorites. Yeah, this is one that I must have caught on TV at some point because I had seen it. Uh, And then um, I was, Dating a woman back in like oh four oh five, around that time ish, 
And uh, I went to go visit her and her mother had directed a community theater production of the play that this is based on. So I've also seen the play. Yeah. All right. Let's get into an Oscar breakdown. All right. Driving Miss Daisy. Picking up Best Picture, giving it to Richard D. and Lily Finney Zanuck. Uh, beats out. Oh, sorry. Man, I just jumped right into that. I am tired tonight, so I apologize. <laughs> I like, are you you just don't care about what the weather and date anymore. Oh, I, but we care. I, I, I just need to wake yeah. up a little bit. Okay, it is uh, a fortuitous March 26, 1990. Uh, we are back. At the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles after hanging out at the Shrine Auditorium for a couple of years. Hooray. Uh, Billy Crystal is our host for the evening. Following up, Robin Williams making them two of three hosts of Comic Relief to host the Oscars. Nice. Very good. Hint, the third one will happen. Ooh. If anybody knows who the third host of Comic Relief is. Is it Whoopi? It is Whoopi. Yay! Oh. Uh, that will happen. Just probably, I, I don't remember what year specifically. Um, okay. Uh, our most nominated film on the evening is Driving Miss Daisy at nine. Our most awarded film on the evening is Driving Miss Daisy at four. Mm. Uh, I already did the did one best picture and it beat out Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society. Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. So uh, my right foot is happy that since it got left out of the ceremony that my left one did not take home the trophy. Yeah. Uh, Best Director goes to Oliver Stone for Born on the Fourth of July. Bruce Beresford, not nominated for this film, uh, leaving Billy Crystal to remark at in his opening monologue of the ceremony that driving Miss Daisy is the film that directed itself. It's Oliver Stone's second one since he won for platoon, right? That's right. That's his second directing Oscar. And I believe oh, yeah. his fourth overall mm. uh, I might be fifth overall. Give me a second. I'm going to look that up. Uh, he won one for platoon best picture. He won for director for Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July. He won. Okay, his fourth. Uh, he didn't win screenplay for Platoon, which is what I assumed his fifth one might be. But his fourth one, I guess technically his first one, was uh, adapted screenplay for Midnight Express. That's right. Thank you. Yep. Uh, best actor goes to Daniel Day Lewis for My Left Foot. My right foot angry again. Uh, best actress goes to Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, sorry. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis beat out Morgan Freeman for Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, Jessica Tandy wins for Driving Miss Daisy. Best supporting actor goes to Denzel Washington for Glory, making him only the fourth black actor to win an Academy Award. And the first since Louis Gossett Jr. won in 1983 for An Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, our first male actor to win an Academy Award, Sidney Poitier, died today. Yeah. Oh, God. Bless. What a legend. What a legend. Uh, the only other one I did not mention was Hattie McDaniel. So let me just bring her up real quick. Yes. 
and Denzel Washington beats out Dan Aykroyd, receiving his one and only Oscar nomination for Driving Miss Daisy. Jonathan, you look like you had something to say. So I was... No, I had something in my teeth. I'm sorry. That's fair. <laughs> Chicky nuggies. Mm, Chicky nuggies. <laughs> and tater tots. <laughs> Jonathan is a middle schooler. Um, let's see. Best supporting actress goes to Brenda Fricker for My Left Foot. Really? I Where wish else I do joking. I know her from? I know her from so many other things. Come on. Look her I up. know that face. She's in something that I love. Look up that face. Also, uh, while Jonathan's looking that up, My Left Foot is the first Irish-made film to uh, be nominated for Best Picture. She's from Home Alone 2. That's who she is. Oh, she's the pigeon lady. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so My Left Foot comes out, of, comes out of Ireland. And you know what else comes out of Ireland? The Irish wristwatch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Irish Wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Uh, Irish wristwatch. I don't know why I thought that was a good time to drink tea. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Irish, I was gonna, I was looking, they had the Irish folk, the trilogy out on Blu ray. The whole, oh, yeah. Those, uh, the Irish cartoons, Secret of the Kells and Wolf Walkers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, or whatever. Think I might get it. Do it. Those are great films. Uh, films we will probably never talk about on this here podcast. Never. Mm. Never. Never say never. 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 Never say never. Whatever you do. All right. Um, best screenplay written directly for the screen goes to Dead Poet Society. From uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids co-writer, Tom Schulman. Busy year, man. Uh, also, he directed a film called Second Sight, a film that nobody has ever seen. I have <laughs> so many times. <laughs> Just because I like bulky. Yeah, I, I do love me some Bronson Pinchot. Um, I, I did that as a uh, callback to uh, Drinking Age Movies video I did. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, best screenplay based on material from another medium goes to Driving Miss Daisy. Alfred Urey, uh picking up the Academy Award for adapting his own play. Uh, best foreign language film goes to a film I brought up last week and said I wasn't sure if uh, it got nominated in 1989. Here it is. Cinema Paradiso. Yay. What a gorgeous movie. What a gorgeous movie. Uh, best documentary feature goes to Common Threads, Story from the Quilt. A documentary about the AIDS quilt. Oh, I was chuckling because it's like a pun, but it's about AIDS. Good Lord. How are you going to make a pun and AIDS joke? It's because you, you, you want to trick people into thinking it's going to be light and fun, but it's yeah. AIDS. And everyone's got AIDS. AIDS, 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 AIDS. AIDS, AIDS Come AIDS, on, AIDS, everybody. AIDS. We got quilting to do. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, Common Threads beats out Crack USA, County Under Siege. (laughs) Country (laughs) Under Siege. (laughs) I was going to say country. I was going to say country, but I didn't stop myself fast enough. Um, (laughs) Best documentary short subject goes to the Johnstown Flood. Uh, Uh, Cheerful. Yeah. (laughs) Best live action short film goes to Work Experience. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. 
Best animated short film goes to Balance, hmm. uh, which was apparently directed by twin brothers Christoph and Wolfgang Lauenstein. Nice. It was a German movie. It was German. All right. Best original score, of course, brings us to our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. John Williams picking up two nominations on the evening. One for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wait, that's Jurassic Park. What am I doing? Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. Yeah. Dummy. What a big dummy. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) (laughs) And the other, uh, born on the 4th of July. He loses both of those nominations to Alan Menken for... The Little Mermaid. The Renaissance has begun. It has begun. And Disney's going to start cleaning up in the best song category from here on out because Under the Sea takes home the Academy Award for Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Which, not mad at it. I mean, I think Part of Your World is a better song. I was about to say it. Under the Sea beat Kiss the Girl. But oh. Part of Your World is not nominated, which is the best song in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That and the chef song. <laughs> <laughs> les poissons, les poissons. How I love les poissons. <laughs> and we have been copyright struck. Copyright struck! Uh, what a good song. Uh, also, this beats out Randy Newman for I Love to See You Smile from the Ron Howard film Parenthood. Starring a starring a very young Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. Who I don't know if I should I guess it would technically be dead naming him if I said his name from that movie. So I'm not going to just Um, know that he he wasn't going by Joaquin Phoenix at that time. Oh, that's right. That's when he was uh Leaf, wasn't he? Was it Leaf at the time? Yes. But I don't know if that counts as dead naming him. So I mean I'm just interested in the trivia thing. Keanu Reeves is in that too. Yes, he is. And Keanu Reeves and young Joaquin Phoenix have scenes together, which must have been very nice for Keanu because that is his best friend's little brother. Yep. All right. Best sound effects editing goes to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now now you tell your friends that you watched Oscar-winning film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Hell yeah. It's the best Indiana Jones. My favorite. I might agree. I don't know. Raiders is Raiders is great. So very good. Last Crusade is like my Indiana. Like like I I would think to say our Indiana Jones. I'm gonna say it's the one I watched the most as a kid because it was the only one I had on VHS. (laughs) I don't know why I didn't have the other two, especially since when I was a kid, Temple of Doom was my favorite. But Last Crusade was the one I watched the most. Fair enough. Temple of Doom was the one that I wasn't allowed to watch that much because, you know, the whole... Kalima. Kalima! All right. Back to it. Best sound goes to Glory. Okay. Really good film. Yes, it is. Hold on a second. What did... Okay, Denzel won for Glory. Okay. Yep. I'm like, how many movies was Denzel in this year? All of them. Yeah, apparently. He was in Driving Miss Daisy. You just don't remember. Yeah. Mm, That's right. Every... He was actually imagined by a young boy with autism in every single movie. <laughs> it is no globe. 
<laughs> it's the joke that just keeps on giving. Um, okay, best art direction goes. This to- shit is stacked. This is a stacked stack category. Uh, it will go with our our winner first, which is the greatest film of all time, Batman. Hey. Uh, so you can tell all your friends that you're going to watch the Oscar-winning 1989 masterpiece, Batman. Batman, uh, Batman beats out The Abyss, mm. James Cameron's best film. <clears throat> yep. Mm. Um, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Ooh. Terry Gilliam's tied for second place best, the uh, second best film. If if you were wondering, the second place tie is every film of Terry Gilliam's that is in Brazil. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, driving Miss Daisy, which, I mean, it's good art, art direction, and they cover 25 years of art direction, and I appreciate it. Uh, and Glory. Yeah. What a good category. Yeah. Best cinematography goes to Glory. Wow. To Freddie Francis. It's been a while since I've seen Glory. I think, like, freshman year of high school maybe i'm trying not to zach don't don't make me do it what been been a while. While. god damn it i tried not to god damn it <laughs> hate this podcast <laughs> moving along okay anyway you were saying about glory no, it's just been a while since I've seen that. I need to watch it again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it has been Effort, yeah. some, some time. time. Okay. Uh, best makeup goes to Driving Miss Daisy, beating out the adventures of Baron Munchausen and Dad. Okay. Just do better, Dad. <laughs> he couldn't. He was gone. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, I need to see Dad. Me too. It's got Jack Lemon, Ted Danson, and Ethan Hawke in it. Okay. Three generations. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's got someone else in it. That, it does. Um, I just saw that name. <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to talk about Kevin Spacey. Much like about Kevin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shoot. But the title of that other movie is We Need, we need to, to Talk, talk about, about Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> 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 what a hole we followed down. Uh, Best costume design goes to Henry Five. I haven't Appar- seen the first four. Yeah, I haven't right. either. Apparently, they weren't good enough to get nominated for Academy Awards, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Ooh, Harlem Knights. Yeah, Harlem Knights is in there, and uh, Driving Miss Daisy also in this category. Yeah. Adventures uh, uh, of Bear Man Munchausen also in this category. Best film editing goes to Born on the Fourth of July, beating out The Bear. There it is, The Bear. Which Just I talked about that last week. Yeah, or last week, week before. Yeah, last week. Was it last week? I yeah. don't remember. It's a movie about a fucking bear. A fucking yeah, bear. That bear fucks. That bear does <laughs> fuck. Um, uh, that beats out Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Uh, Born on the Fourth July, not the bear. Yeah. And the then best beat out Miss Daisy. Best visual effects goes to the abyss because, of course, it does. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Cameron knows one thing: it's how to make shit look pretty. Indeed. Or at least look cool. Look cool. I think we'll give them look cool. I, I think sometimes it's both. Not all. Pretty cool. Pretty. Cool. I think. Yeah. I think the abyss is both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our uh, Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award goes to Howard W. Koch. 
uh, our honorary and other awards go to the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences Board of Government Governors commends the contributions of the members of the Engineering Committees of the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, SEMTA, by establishing <laughs> industry standards. They have greatly contributed to making film and a primary form of international communication. Yeah. Yeah, good job. And yeah. to Akira Kurosawa. Yeah! For accomplishments that have inspired, delighted, enriched, and entertained audiences and influenced filmmakers throughout the world. Absolutely. Sorry we didn't honor more of your films, but yeah, we recognize the shortcomings. Why honor your films? We'll just honor the ones that steal from yours. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we have a Gordon E. Sawyer Award tonight. So, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. Our Gordon e. Sawyer Award goes to Pierre Ingenieux. I'm pretty sure I said that right. Sounds good. Who, uh, after working for Pathé, uh, which in the 1900s became the world's largest film equipment and production company, as well as a producer, a major producer of phonograph records, uh, went and founded his own company specializing in cinema equipment in 1939, Les Establis Pierre Ingenieux. He started using geometric optics rather than physical optics in design of his lenses. Oh. Uh, he and developed computing methods decreasing the time needed to design a lens by an, by an order of magnitude. 1950, Ingenieux introduced Ingenieux Retrofocus, which allowed mounting wide-angle lenses on single-lens reflex cameras. Mm. 1953 designed the fastest lens of the time, uh, and the design was used by Bell and Howell 70 series cameras for 35 years. That is quite a track record. Yeah. In 1956, he designed a constant aperture 17 to 68 millimeter zoom lenses and a 12 to 120 millimeter in 1958. Mm, give us a better look at that. The engine. The Ingenue Company provided NASA with photographic, photographic equipment used in the Ranger program, Project Gemini, Apollo program, Apollo Suez test project, and the Space Shuttle program, notably, notably the first high-resolution photographs of the moon by Ranger 7 were made by, with a 25-millimeter lens. Holy shit. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Uh, in 1964, Ingenue received a scientific or technical award for the development of the 10 to 1 zoom lens for cinematography. It was honored with the Grand Prix, Grand Prix de Ingenieurs Civil. No, no. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Anybody who knows French or is French that is listening to this program right now. Uh, in 1973, he, his company also produced lenses for the Kodak uh, Retinet and Pony cameras. Uh, and then in 1993, his, his eponymous company was acquired by Thales Group and renamed Thales Ingenue. The company still specializes in optical, electro-optical, and optical mechanic products. And to this day, or since 2013, to this day, Thales Ingenue organizes every year on the occasion of the Cannes Film Festival, the Pierre Ingenue Excellence in Cinematography Ceremony to pay tribute to a prominent director of photography for its career. 
Thanks for making these films all the more beautiful. Yeah. Pierre Ingenue, you are a hero to all. First fucking photographs of the moon. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> could you even imagine? No. My lenses took that. I created that lens. You guys wouldn't know. You'd still think the moon is made of cheese. That's right. Uh, but that's that's our Oscar breakdown. All right. Thank you. Indeed. So let's talk about this one. This one. What? Um, it's not bad. Yeah. It's just kind of slice of life buddy film. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Like, I mean, it's, that's it. Like, it's just um, old yeah. lady befriends black guy. Yay. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's the fucking movie. Like, it. I don't like this guy because I'm old and crotchety. Okay, I like this guy because we've been around each other long enough that I kind of fucking have to. <laughs> I have now given you the synopsis for the movie. Oh, there's one moment of tension where the cops check his ID. Yeah. Zach, you were saying something. So, yeah. You know, this movie has a reputation, and we'll get into that probably during the, you know, the worsty judgments. That's where a lot of my thoughts are going to come out. Because this movie's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's an okay movie. It yeah. should have and it's one of these films if someone tells me i don't like this movie for these reasons i'd be like cool like don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever but it's i hate to say well meaning as a positive but it yeah it is it's well meaning i don't think it does anything horrendous it, right it I think I think its biggest sin is that it doesn't tackle racism enough. Right. Sure. Like they dance around it and there's a couple of parts where it it doesn't shy from it, but at the same time she's like, "Okay, well that's racism, I guess." Yeah, it's yep. um the the biggest problems with this movie are not because of the movie itself, I think. <laughs> you know, it's because it's it's because it won best picture. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Right. All the problems with this movie stem from the fact that it won this Academy Award. Nothing nothing really inside of it except uh I can see I can see the arguments for Freeman being a little yeah, uh, for lack of a better <laughs> yeah. term step and fetch. Yeah. yeah. Uh so you know, I I don't like to throw terms around like that right. too often, but it's I mean, that was a character's name that comes from the past that, you know, people use as an example because it's a really good example to prove a point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a little disconcerting, but again. Yeah. Most of the black characters that are in this film are unfortunately a bit caricature-y. And you know, Morgan Freeman's character has depth, but what I would have really liked to have seen a little bit more of, um, forgive me, I forget uh, um, the Jessica Tandy's characters. Uh, her, her, uh, Daisy. Made. Oh, Daisy. Um, Esther Roll's character, uh, Idella. Idella. Yeah. When um, Morgan Freeman and Idella are in the kitchen watching the TV, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little code switching 
you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think that black folk in the South always put on the, the extra nice to see a white folk voice, you know, when they're amongst themselves and, and we don't get to see that he's always on the pleasing, appeasing kind of voice, which, which made it hard to see a little bit. There's times when he steps out, like when he's getting out of the car, he's like kind of talking to himself. It's like, <laughs> you better <laughs> respect me. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a man. He had that scene. And I like that where he kind of drops the voice a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just like when he first meets Dan Aykroyd, they're walking through the, the foundry. And he's like, you know, they, they say all these things about Jewish people, but that's not my opinion. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm going to find this movie a little hard to talk about because there's the not much to it. It's like Jonathan said, you start out, he gets hired, she yeah. crashes a car, they drive around, the cops pull him over in Alabama and or not pull them over. Even they're on the side of the road and yeah, they, they approach them and they only leave them alone because a white woman's in the car. But then as they're driving off, the cops remark to themselves, you know, those two in a car together, what a sad sight instead of like saying it to their faces. Cause that's right. what cops racist ass cops would have done in Alabama in the 1950s. Um, and the synagogue gets bombed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot that happened, which is and, and then Hoke tells the story about seeing his friend's father having been lynched and hanged from a tree. Yep. Yeah. Which it w- just which was, was it felt fucking forced. It's like they had to put something in here to to and it was it's not tension, it's not anything other than well, so the syn- we want to force you to think about something. Well, the synagogue bombing in Atlanta actually was is an yeah. actual thing that happened. Sure. So it's it's nice that they include some real world events, right? To to kind of help mark the time as well as like show that uh, Daisy, while crotchety and old, has her own like has reasons to kind of be crotchety because she's a Jewish woman in the South. Yeah, like, and that's another thing I don't think they lean into a whole lot in this film, right? The Jewish identity, they they do some, especially with uh, Patty Lapone's character being kind of a uh, trying to assimilate is the word I'm thinking of. Right. Uh, Patty Lapone's character trying to assimilate into more Christian culture in Atlanta, in, like the 1950s and 60s, by celebrating Christmas very loudly. Yeah, yeah, uh, almost Caitlin McCoy loudly. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I feel like a lot of the Jewish identity of the film gets lost. And yeah. They could have really like had the characters bond more over she she might be a white passing Jewish woman or a white Jewish woman even. Uh but she's still a Jewish woman in the South in the nineteen fifties. Yeah. I'm not asking you to make the movie uh hardcore or hard to watch but yeah a few a few more breadcrumbs of anti-semitism and a few more uh overt racist actions against the uh, african-american community in the film would have would have given it a little more depth as it is it's i'm really i don't think this film deserved half the awards it was nominated for 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as as a film, I feel like it's kind of just above TV movie quality. Um, the acting's really good, but I I don't know. I don't the sets are good, but I don't know that yeah. there's anything particularly striking about it as a film. Um, it's it's pleasant to watch, and you know it's kind of like Rain Man, uh, where the time it was released, I think people of that generation, you know, our parents' generation or older, will watch this and oh, that was such a good movie. I love that movie when it came out; it had such a good message, but. Even when it came out, the message was not as strong as it needed to be, and it was a little dated. Um, and you know, we'll touch on that more a little bit later. No. Also, I, I I feel like Dan Aykroyd was somewhere between just existing and awful in this movie. I really didn't like him. I can't believe he was nominated. I I liked him, but he was just that background Dan Aykroyd character. Like it's kind of like him and My Girl. Mm. It's just like you're you're not the focus point here, but it's nice to have you here. <laughs> so, so this is a big conversation while watching this movie that Lee and I had about Dan Aykroyd. Where it's like, you know, the problem with Dan Aykroyd is Dan Aykroyd is one of the great second bananas. Mm. Yep, he is. He is a great straight man, and while he can also throw zingers as he shows on like Saturday Night Live, you you think about like his banner roles. And who he's playing against in those banner roles. And it's like the Blues yeah. Brothers. Yeah. He's he's with John Belushi. I, I feel like he shines when he's with other SNL cast. Yeah. So like you get him in like Tommy Boy. Right. Where he's just playing that run. It's like, yeah, he's fucking great. And he's he's amazing in trading places, but oh, yeah. it's an Eddie Murphy movie, like yeah. through and through. And he's he's really good in the Ghostbusters films, but yeah, he's probably like the third or fourth Ghostbuster you think of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Depending I think, on who you, are. you know, Jessica Tandy was really good in this movie, but I mean, I think, yeah, she's excellent. Yeah. I don't know. She should have won or I'm fine with her winning. I guess I, you know, even if it's a, even if it's a career achievement, right. win, I, I'm not sad that it's Jessica Tandy. That's getting a career achievement win. Right. And like this, <laughs> this category's okay. Yeah. Got another. Uh, didn't Hans Zimmer do the Rain Man score too? We got two. Yeah. Kind of odd ball scores from him. I saw somebody cri- uh, uh, characterize this one as uh, grocery store <laughs> elevator kind of style. I mean, it's funny when I heard it, like I'd heard the main theme before, even though I hadn't heard uh, seen the movie. So I was like, oh, yeah, there's that song. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I I do like the do 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 do. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's nice. It's a nice little theme. It's, you know, it's a nice theme to go with a nice movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's all this movie is. That was it's nice. Nice. She could have she could have let Hope go to the fucking uh, Martin Luther King dinner though. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand what was going on there. I yeah, like like I understand what was going on is don't understand the character thoughts in that scene. Just. Yeah. I, th- I think he was af- offended that she was trying to pass it off as a joke. And, you know, at, at this point in the relationship, he's like, you should have invited me. You know, we're more than just and a, employee and I think, now. Yeah. And I think she doesn't do it as a point of pride because her son is like, you should do that. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, fuck you. I should do that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, you get probably one of the better lines in the movie there and then when he's like, shit ain't changed that damn much. It's not quite the verbatim, but it's just when he said that, I'm like, damn. Yeah. All right. Well, so here's the thing, guys. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to come up in our worsty judgment. So I think we should go ahead and move along and (laughs) ask Paul, is this one in the library? No. Really? I'm actually quite shocked at this as well. Wow. Three three weeks running, and I realize one of them was foreign, but three weeks three weeks running, we haven't had our best picture winner in the Wow. I'm actually really surprised by this one. I, I'm I, a, a little bit. I thought they were gonna put like two thousand nine after Obama got elected, because oh look, more racism solved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So here we go. This is this is what got in for nineteen eighty nine. Give me the uh, the first one to go in and what year it went in. We start with Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Uh, Field of Dreams. Uh, the documentary Roger and Me by Michael Moore. The documentary Samsara, Death and Rebirth in Cambodia. Sex, Lies, and Videotape, the Steven Soderbergh debut. And Water and Power, another documentary. And hey, wouldn't you know it, it's the... Uh, the year that the first class dropped 1989 but of course 10 years is the earliest it could go in yeah well i feel like i'm gonna lean into one of the documentaries the what was the cambodia was it uh samsara death and rebirth in cambodia i'm going with that one okay what year in uh 2002 okay i'm actually gonna go field of dreams in 2002 Okay, so neither of you got the year nor the film. Yes. Okay. Uh, nothing got in in 2002, but uh, just to let you know, Field of Dreams got in in 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. And Samsara, Death and Rebirth in Cambodia got into 2012, and our first film of 1989 to go into the National Film Registry is Do the Right Thing. Oh, they nice. did the right thing. I'm surprised. I, I thought yeah. it was going to be one of those ones that got in late. Are you ready to hear how right they did this? Was it in 99? 1999. Wow. Hell yeah. First ballot. Well done. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's keep trucking onto those because okay. the thoughts, they are forming. Yeah, indeed. All right. So let's go ahead and give a quick round uh, rundown of the bullshit Razzies this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine how bad they are. Uh, so the worst picture, Star Trek IV, The Final Frontier. What? Worst actor, William Shatner, Star Trek IV, The Final Frontier. The fuck? Worst actress, Heather Locklear in The Return of Swamp Thing. Also bullshit. That movie's great. We're supporting actor Christopher Atkins and Listen to Me. We're supporting actress Brooke Shields and Speed Zone. Okay. Worst director William Shatner, Star Trek for the Final Frontier. Wait, hold on. Star Trek for the Final Frontier? I'm sorry, five. Five. Oh, wait this, a second. Never this mind. Changes out okay. Five. Yeah, no, 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 five is shit. <laughs> I, dude, I don't know why I was thinking four the entire time. Uh, yeah, no, five is Garbo. Like, we can kill God. <laughs> So, yeah, no, no, no bullshit, Razzies. You got this right. Uh, except for worst screenplay, Harlem Nights, written by Eddie Murphy. 
Mm. Uh, worst Ooh. original song, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. What? A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, song? The Dream Child. Bring your daughter to the slaughter. The slaughter. Um, and also, as a quick little bonus here, this they also did a worst of the decade. Uh, worst actor. Somebody want to take a guess? Sylvester Stallone for Cobra, Lockup, Over the Top, Rambo First, Blood Part 2, Rambo 3, Rhinestone, Rocky 4, and Tango and Cash. Uh, worst actress of the decade, Bo Madonna. Derek. Oh, Bo Derek. I thought it was going to be Madonna. Uh, Madonna was nominated, as well as Faye Dunaway, Brooke Shields, and Pia Zadora. Uh, but for Bo Derek for Bolero and Tarzan the Ape Man, worst picture of the decade, Mommy Dearest. Beating out Bolero, Howard the Duck, The Lonely Lady, and Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Wow. And worst new star of the decade, Pia Zadora for Butterfly and The Lonely Lady. Okay. So. Okay. Fucking Razzies. Yeah, I don't know why I thought Star Trek 4 for some. I was like, is this right? Because I had to double check to make sure it was the right page. I'm like, is this right? Because Star Trek 4 was a few years before this. But what, what yeah. year did 6 come out? I thought, that, I thought that was 89. The next one after Final Frontier is Generations, isn't it? No, the next one is uh, Undiscovered Country. That's right. Yep. I don't hmm. know. 91. Okay. okay. I thought that was 89 for some reason. All right. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into our worsty judgments. Uh, Zach. Hi, sir. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? Does this movie deserve Best Picture? Uh, I'll start off ranking the other ones. This, this is, I'd actually seen all of these movies already. I got to rewatch a couple, um, ranking the other four. I'm putting my left foot at the bottom. I think Daniel day Lewis, uh, we got another, you know, issue with casting an able-bodied person as a person with cerebral palsy. Um, I guess it's not his fault that, he was cast. I think he does an amazing job, but the movie's not very good. Uh, that's my opinion on that. So, number four. Number three, the other three, um, I really like. So, go way up from my left foot to uh, Field of Dreams. I, I like Field of Dreams. I'm just not as big a baseball person as some. So, we'll. The movie's there. not about baseball, but go on. Yeah, it's not. It's not about baseball. You're right. I also, you know, it's about corn. Uh, it's about corn and fathers. Maybe one day it'll hit me again. I'm probably sure it will. I would say as much shit as I got during the Kramer versus Kramer for not getting the father stuff. I'm (laughs) shocked. I'm shocked. (laughs) Well, yeah, go, go on. (laughs) Uh, then I'll go born on the 4th of July, which is an incredible movie in every way. Possibly Tom Cruise's best performance. I pretty much agree, and I will have thoughts on that during my round. Yeah. Uh, William Defoe comes back awesome again. It's just incredible. Uh, Truth. It's a like a spiritual trilogy of Vietnam movies that Oliver Stone has, and this is makes very much sense as the second one, dealing with the aftermath of coming back home, and it's awesome, and I recommend it highly. Um, and then I, I got to rank highest, uh, dead poet society. It's, 
it just strikes me in so many ways and beautifully written, beautifully acted. And though uh, sometimes the final act strikes me as maybe a little out of left field rewatching it. Yeah, but rewatching it, I really see how my left field of dreams. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just how beaten down a parent can make you feel until finally you snap. Uh, Yeah. We'll see. So, yeah. And now if I take Driving Miss Daisy, I would stick it in at number four in between, uh, just above uh, my left foot as far as these other films. So, no, I do not think it deserved Best Picture. And like we said during the regular part of the episode, it winning Best Picture is the main problem with it. If I don't think it even should have really been nominated, neither one of these should be nominated. You should have had maybe, like, obviously do the right thing should be in there. Um <laughs> And should have won. Uh, maybe even put in Batman. Um, try not to talk about I'll be seeing her too much, but I do have to say Crimes and Misdemeanors is my favorite movie of his, and I think it should have been nominated. And when you could have done When Harry Met Sally or something, or even Last Crusade, why not? Um, so, yeah, that's my thought. No, it did not. Shouldn't have. the co- it, it winning in a year that Do the Right Thing came out, and it wasn't even nominated, which handles the discussion of race. And instead, you give it to a movie that kind of white liberal appeasement is the year that kind of starts to break the Oscars, I think, in that regard. Yeah. No, shouldn't have won. Fine movie, but shouldn't have won. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Jonathan? Yeah. Jonathan, is this the worst? Oh, no. Jesus Christ. I fucked it. It's been so long since I fucked it up. Um, does this movie deserve Best Picture? No, it doesn't. No, it fucking doesn't deserve to be nominated. 1989 was stacked. Stacked, stacked. in every fucking possible way. That if you look, there are days, there are days in this year where you had to fucking make a choice. Uh, let's see here. Just real quick here. The summer... In June, you had to choose between Batman and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like, saw both same. of those in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and the week before that was fucking Ghostbusters. Two. Two. So that's not um, much of a choice. You don't have to see that. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, this year. Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2 came out that year. Like, guys. Bill and fucking Ted came out in 1989. Yeah, it sure did. God, how did I forget? Uh, How could I forget? (laughs) Okay, here we go. Ready for this one? On the same fucking day, on November 17th, you had to choose between All Dogs Go to Heaven, Harlem Nights, The Little Mermaid, and Steel Magnolia. Like you had a movie for fucking, you couldn't go on a family day on that day. It was that, literally everybody pick a movie and go. Yeah, that's that's like the perfect lineup of films. They're all so good. Like, yeah, um, Little Mermaid and All Dogs Go to Heaven were my little sister's two favorite films when we were kids. Like, absolutely. they came out on the same fucking day. <laughs> so, what a shit. Yeah. With all that said, I think just about everything I said could have been put into a nomination, but The Wizard should have won. Shit, yeah. The wizard, the wizard, the first time we saw the greatest video game of all time. 
Mario Brothers 3. Super Mario Brothers 3. Yes, sir. Um, Other than that, though, on a more serious note, of the nominations, I've actually seen now three of these movies of the five. Nice. Uh, Dead Poets Denied Society should have one of these uh, bias because of Robin Williams. Even if it was probably somebody else who I don't even, I can't even imagine who I would cast in that spot outside of him. Uh, it was going justice. to be Dustin Hoffman. Uh, I know. <laughs> like, just no. Uh, so, yeah. It, God, this I, fucking year, dude. Like, I actually and, know exactly who I would cast in that spot. I need to know. And and not just because I, I want one of you to set me up for my one of my catchphrases. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, because Paul loves Bridges. I love Bridges! Woo! <laughs> Um, okay, cool, but I'm going to actually cut myself off here because I know that 1989 is Paul's favorite year in film. So, no, this movie does not deserve Best Picture. Paul, does this movie deserve Best Picture? All right, going to do my thing. I watched all five of these movies this week. So here we go. My left foot sucks. I do not like that film. <laughs> uh, I don't even think Daniel Day-Lewis is very good in it. Okay, and maybe Maybe that's just coming from a modern perspective and I not looking at it through 1989 lens. And I tried my goddamnedest to, yeah, I, I think he's fine. He's okay. Yeah. I you know what really, you know, what really threw me out of that movie. The kid version of him is hilarious <laughs> and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> that kid. He's, Oh, he's trying so hard and I, I really appreciate his efforts, but he, I laughed every time he was on screen. <laughs> felt yeah. like an asshole um <laughs> the movie's terrible i don't like it and the fact that uh somebody like somebody went back and asked people if they could not give the academy award to driving miss daisy would they and everyone said no they would have given it to my left foot instead confuses the fuck out of me right now yeah no. uh, this is a film that maybe has been too mythologized in my head i think daniel day lewis is fine in it I don't think that he, that's even the best Daniel Day-Lewis film I've watched while doing this podcast so far. The movie sucks. It's boring. Right. It's yeah. dull. And it thankfully was very short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number three of the remaining four is Dead Poet Society. I think that movie's just okay. I It's okay to be wrong. I... Did not feel inspired by it in any way, shape, or form. I did not become emotionally connected to any of the kids, even though I really love Ethan Hawke and the kid that kills himself. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that so flippantly. <laughs> um, the, the, the young man who eventually commits suicide in the film. I did enjoy his performance, and I like Ethan Hawke. Josh Charles is in there, and the entire time I just kept thinking about how I'd rather be watching Sports Night. <laughs> I, I love that script. It's a fine more than I do of everything else about it. Like I love Robin Um, Williams in the role, but I love that script. Yeah. I mean, it's just white people stand and deliver, um, which is a much better film. Fucking ow. Which is a much better film. (laughs) Um, you're not wrong. I was going to call it, I was going to call it white people lean on me, but then I watched lean on me last night. I was like, this film's also just okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, like I but, think we said in the chat, which is all just derivative of to serve with love. True, true. All right. Uh, and, and I'm I'm not throwing away the film for being white people's stand to deliver. 
It just is. Uh, I think it is Robin Williams's weakest performance around this time. Oh, I don't think he does anything for this film. I'll get back to that in a moment. Okay. Um, my number three is going to be born on the 4th of July. Again, Tom Cruise's best performance. Uh, Oliver Stone really leans into a lot. He's got so many, so many big ideas for this film. Yeah. And the way it starts with John Williams, score and the white, like washout over like the nostalgic fifties. Mm-hmm. It's, holy shit it put me in such a place and by the end right. of the movie i was just uh, I'd, I'd seen that movie like maybe when i was a teenager and i hadn't seen it in a long time and re-watching it's just like fuck this is really good yeah i don't know if i might like it even more than platoon i don't know i might i might i i really love platoon my yeah. favorite thing about uh oliver stone though is oliver stone does not give a shit for your metaphors. He's just going to tell you everything you need to think about this film right up front. Yep. Uh, uh, my number one out of these is Field of Dreams. And I think Field of Dreams is one of the most beautifully resonant films about faith and uh, traditionalism uh, and believing in something larger than yourself and being, an, I know, an agnostic atheist kind of jerkwad that i am that's not something that i necessarily prescribe to when the metaphor is baseball i'm i'm going to be all on board for it yeah go baseball uh and i honestly think field of dreams is the reason i'm a big baseball fan in the first place nice uh i it's one of my all-time favorite films i don't know if it goes in my top 20 but another film does from this year and that is do the right thing uh-huh. back to a couple more films from this year too but get back to that uh so those are my out of those four my driving miss daisy i am going to agree with you zach slotting in at my number four above my left foot because that movie sucks um <laughs> it's driving miss daisy it's fine it's yeah. whatever and if somebody tells me that it should have gone under my left foot again i would be like you're probably right i don't know <laughs> uh i just don't agree at this moment um so no, it doesn't deserve best picture. It doesn't deserve best picture over Field of Dreams. It doesn't deserve best picture over Born on the Fourth of July. It might deserve best picture over Dead Poet Society, but I don't have it ranked above. Um, but in a year, and I know that some the two of you have already said some of these movies. I'm just going to go ahead and move through the Academy Award nominations right now and talk uh-huh. about films uh, that. We'll start with Glory. Glory probably should have been up here. It's an incredible film uh, that tackles racism head on and talks directly about the institutions of slavery and what the Civil War was about, which was slavery. Yep. Just in case anybody had any ideas otherwise, Civil War is about slavery and you're an asshole if you think otherwise. Uh, Do the Right Thing is in my top 20 of all time, probably my top 10. It is a film that I saw entirely too young and has resonated with me ever since because holy shit. (laughs) Just holy shit. Uh, That's all I can really say about that film. Steel Magnolias. Oh my fucking God. What a good movie. How did that just get ignored? Like Julia Roberts has a nomination for best supporting actress here, but I'd, I'd have to look through everything else to see if, it got any other nominations. It's not even in the best actress category. Where the fuck yeah. is Sally Field in there? Where's 
Daryl Hannah's great in this film. Olympia Dukakis, like all these, all these women are incredible in this movie. It is one of the best movies. Who, I'm sorry, who was nominated for director this year? Okay. Uh, our directing nominations are Oliver Stone, who wins over uh, Alvie Singer for Crimes and Misdemeanors, Peter Weir for Dead Poets Society, Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, and Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot. Yeah, I Not could, I, a very strong category. No, I, 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 it was like boggling my mind. I hadn't looked at this. Like, I, I often don't look at the nominees before we record just to get a little surprise when you're talking. But obviously, Spike Lee should have been <laughs> nominated. Obviously, probably he should have been. Probably should have won. Kim, um, Kim Basinger even got up on stage when she was handing out, I think, I think best director. It was like Spike Lee is not in this in this in, in this category, which is category fraud. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It Way so people people knew it at the time at yeah. the at the ceremony. Um, best original score category. All right, so Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid could have been the first fucking uh, animated film to be nominated for best picture. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Fabulous Baker Boys, incredibly good. Uh. Geez, Parenthood's good. I don't know. I put it in Best Picture. Adventures of Baron Munchausen could have been up there. Batman was the highest grossing film of the year. And they love, up up to this point, they've loved putting high grossing films in the category. So why not Batman? Oh, was it not? Uh, Nope. Oh, what was the the number one? Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. An established franchise. Yeah. Uh, Although it did beat Back to the Future part two yeah the, the part twos usually usually dip yeah. like even even empire strikes back wasn't Did as strong as the other two films yeah uh i i think that's you know the the first one is the one that blows people away so they go see it a few times and the second one they probably go see once or twice and the third one everybody has seen the other two now so everybody has to go see it yeah mm-hmm. uh it's it's the way it normally happens. There was a failed number three this year, though. Karate oh, yeah? Kid. Huh? Karate Kid oh, 3 oh, came yeah. out this year. <laughs> it's it's the worst one. Yeah. And I, I'm including the next Karate Kid in that. Um, yeah. Uh, the Abyss. The Abyss came out this year. That's a great film. Yeah. The Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Cinema Paradiso. Um the greatest film of all time, UHF. I was waiting for that one to get called. Eighty-nine's <laughs> <laughs> too stacked. Driving Miss Daisy should not have won. And do the right thing again. Should have been in. Should have won. Uh, the but I think the worst category this year is best actor. And I really wanted to come at this. I'm throwing away the entire category except Tom Cruise. I don't think anybody should have been nominated, except for Morgan. <sighs> except for Morgan Freeman. But for glory, but f- no, for for lean on me, honestly. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's his strongest performance of the year, and he's uh, uh, Matthew Broderick's the lead of glory, which is a problem into itself. Um, so he, Morgan Freeman's in the supporting actor category, and honestly, I I think giving Morgan Freeman a nomination for a different film smarter because Denzel is so fucking good in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I think Robin Williams does nothing for Dead Poet Society in the uh, between like Good Morning Vietnam and Awakenings. He should not have been nominated for that film. Um Kenneth Branagh's 
Kenneth Branagh. Like, yeah. the man loves eating some scenery, and I appreciate that. But whatever, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I've already mentioned that. Tom Cruise is the only one that I leave there, and he probably should have won that award. Well, I know who you would have put in there. Weird Al for UHF. Yeah. No. I thought it would probably be uh, Howie Mandel. Oh, for Little Monsters. For yeah, Little of Monsters. Course, the, <laughs> the worst movie of all time. <laughs> uh, it wasn't all winners. Uh, I put Spike Lee in the category for Do the Right Thing. I, I think he carries that film pretty well. He's, you know, he's not the best of actors and he's not always great in his films, but mm-hmm. I think he's really good and Do the Right Thing. He has yeah. a lot to say and he fucking says it. Yep. Yeah. So, um, long story short, why? Why is Jeremy Miss Daisy in any of these categories except yeah, for Best Actress? Jessica Dandy could, yeah, she's great. Yeah, sure. but she also should have won for Cocoon. So mm. <laughs> battery's not included. Oh, battery's not included. Yeah. So those those are my thoughts. Yeah. All right. I like those. I'm having thoughts. I mean, I like Daniel Day Lewis, and I like Robin Williams, and I like Tom Cruise. The the other two can go out though. So, but I appreciate your strong opinions on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, Zach, is this the worst best picture? Is it the worst? You know, this is kind of a funny question for this particular movie. Um, Is it the worst movie to win best picture? No. I have it ranked at my number 44. And this is the double whammy I was initially alluding to in the chat. Cozy it up right next to uh, Gentleman's Agreement. I think Driving Miss Daisy and Gentleman's Agreement, oh. which you said was on the... Okay, so uh, I've been keeping a tally, <laughs> and I, I mentioned it in uh, the Annie Hall episode yeah. of our best, pitch, best picture winners that reference other best picture winners. Uh, this film does it twice, even though I think technically the second one they're referring to the, the play. Um but they mention uh, Gentleman's Agreement is on a marquee in the background when uh, Hoke is calling Dan Aykroyd's character from the payphone mm-hmm. after he drives Miss Daisy to the Piggly Wiggly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, the other one, she mentions that um, her son bought her tickets to My Fair Lady. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think she's referring to the musical, but... Just to backtrack real quick, in terms of endearment, I missed uh, that they're listening to the soundtrack to West Side Story. Mm. But again, I think it might be the Broadway cast, but it's still West Side Story, so I'm counting it. Yes. Words are words. That's right. I will keep everybody uh, appraised of if another Best Picture winner mentions another Best Picture winner. All right. But, but Zach, you were in the middle of answering a question. Yeah. I was just saying I have it at number 44 of 45 next to Gentleman's Agreement, which are both films that are okay, uh, uh, but more the the Academy Award um, going to them was probably more congratulatory than it should have been. It says more about the Oscars than the film itself. And in that way, I think it's one of the worst movies to win because of what was nominated against it. Like mm-hmm. we've said uh, enough about do the right thing. Well, you can't say enough about do the right thing, but we've said enough on this show um, for it to win. in this year is a little bit embarrassing. 
little but outrageous. Yeah. But as far as movie quality amongst the ones we've seen, number 44 of 62. Jonathan, is this the worst? Next no. picture. No, it's not. Because it's okay. Yeah. I have it at my number 36. Uh, in between, it's above Kramer versus Kramer and just underneath on the waterfront. It's just an okay movie. Paul, is this the worst uh, best picture? I'm also going with no. Um, last week, I mentioned that um, Rain Man was at my number 40, and that seems low just because I feel like there's a lot of great films above it. Yeah. And that Rain Man was still a four-star film, and 40, 40 was still in what I consider the quality range. And where the quality range started dropping last week was 45. Driving Miss Daisy is now my number 45. Okay. So that okay. I feel like that stays true. The quality starts yeah. dropping at 45. That, that's uh, fair. I again, it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, Zach, just to uh, add on to your note, gentlemen's agreements down in my 52. Okay. I I think it mishandles race way worse than this film does. Um, it's probably more self-important than this. Is. Yeah, yeah, because this film, like. This film doesn't seem to be too concerned with race. Like it's one of those things that it doesn't ignore, but it's it's not its main concern. Its main concern is just characters, sure. and it being a three person play. It's kind of where you go with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fine. It, it's one of those films I really think gets lost to history if it doesn't win Best Picture, and it winning Best Picture just kind of highlights its flaws. Yeah, you know, it, it it's that way, especially with I, me. And I, I feel like it highlights the Academy's flaws more than it, it does absolutely anything. highlights the Academy's flaws. But but the unfortunate thing is, highlighting the flaws of the film is what highlights the Academy's flaws. Yeah, um, and you know that's that's a big thing always for me when when I think films are just fine and they're continuously put up on a pedestal of being a masterpiece or what else, not by like general consensus. And, you know, I, I could have forgotten about Joker long ago, but people continuously tell me that it's a five-star movie and one of the greatest comic book films of all time. And then it wins Academy Awards. And I'm just like, why is driving Miss Daisy here? Yeah. Why is driving Miss Daisy the Joker? <laughs> nice. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and call that here. Uh, thank you very much. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, on the TikToks, and on the Twitch at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X A K K M A S T E R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterbox, searching my name, Mr. Workman. Oh, you can find me across platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Father of the Fear. Uh, Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I watch. And this week, I watched uh, I watched Red Rocket, oh, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Um, it's funny to me that Red Rocket's not getting the heat that Licorice Pizza is over its... Uh, age gap debate which is the dumbest fucking thing if you 
throw out licorice pizza because of the age gap debate you're not paying attention to what that movie is saying i've been seeing some shit about licorice pizza like how about the the protagonist's not like he's not a good person and never comes like they never get their come up come up and about that like it's just you're not a good person have everything he's not a bad person but but again if you think that's a happy ending and that they're getting everything, you're not paying attention to the movie. I can't sure. wait to see it. And think yeah, about I, it. I, I, I'm ready to watch that one. I, 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 I really want to rewatch it and hit me up when you, we, we might make that a cold open because Fair I, enough. the age gap debate really pisses me off for reasons I can't even understand myself. Uh, but that being said, Red Rocket is a film where a 40 year old man has sex on screen with a girl who is supposed to be 17 in the film multiple times and Ooh. nobody's complaining about it because eh. sexism um also the point of the film so yeah uh red rocket really good uh ignore how i kind of threw it under the bus in the licorice pizza debate it's, it's a really interesting film and uh probably my favorite sean baker film so far nice I have to say, uh, uh, real quick comment. Um, Love is Magic has failed me this week. Um, huh? My family's watching Canto four times without me, and so love has trampled me. Wow. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I, they've just been home watching it while I've been at work, so I, I look forward to yeah, watching so it I just tomorrow. put that shit on in the background all the damn time at this point. Uh, like, I'm, If not I'm, the movie, then the soundtrack. <laughs> I want to see it from the start, so I'm not going to jump in halfway. Yeah. I've seen it twice, once at the theater and once on Disney Plus, and because of banks, I can't get weak. Don't talk about Dude, Bruno. Seriously, it's head. been running in my head throughout <laughs> the entire episode. So thanks, thanks, Benjamin. Yep. I'm actually gonna say it like this. Thanks, Benjamin. Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay, let, let me try it a different way then. Uh <laughs> thanks, Benjamin. Goof. <laughs> goof. No, goof. It's really funny. I'm actually looking at uh Banks's Twitter right now, and he's got Goofy. <laughs> uh, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, <laughs> we're watching Dances with Wolves. Uh, three hours and forty-four minutes, I believe. Three hours and forty minutes of fucking Pocahontas. I was going to say, uh, you mean that we're watching the new season of Book of Boba Fett? <laughs> oh, mm, well, I haven't watched that yet, so I'll take your word for it. But you can find Dances with Wolves on Amazon. You rent it. Google Play, Vudu, YouTube, or stream on Netflix. Yay. Yay. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Loving Up Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. Hey, it's 1989. Bill and Ted. Uh, we would like to thank Megan at JPL View for our beautiful artwork. You can follow oh, guys, the show. Guys, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. We forgot to do the decade rank. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. It is. Trav. Uh, no, never mind. Just leave all this in. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We fucked Okay. Up. So it's, and it's 1989. I was even thinking about it at the top of the show, and I we still fucked it up. Yep. Um, it is 1989. That means we have come to the end of another decade. Uh, that decade full of interesting films. So let's... Run them down real quick, and we're going to discuss whether or not this is our least favorite or worst decade of Best Picture winners. Uh, our Best Picture winners, starting in 1980, starts with Ordinary People, Chariots of Fire, 
Gandhi, Terms of Endearment, Amadeus, Out of Africa, Platoon, The Last Emperor, Rain Man, and Driving Miss Daisy. Jonathan. Yeah. Is this the worst decade of Best Picture winners? According to my list, no. Not even at all. Um, although, <laughs> it has my lowest movie that's not about child grooming, racism, or circuses. But it also has my number one movie. So, mm. yeah. That was Amadeus, uh, right? And that was Amadeus. Uh, Gandhi and Platoon are within my top 20. So, I mean, that's three out of 10 that are in my top 20. I mean, Turns of Endearment is just outside of it. I think Driving Miss Daisy was really the lowest movie of the year for me. And it was kind of just an okay movie. So, no, not the worst at all. Driving Miss Daisy was lower than Out of Africa? No, I'm sorry. I forgot about... I'm trying to forget about Out of Africa. So, yeah, Out of Africa is my absolute lowest. lowest. Um, It's the lowest movie that's not about child grooming, racism, or circuses. Okay. So, Zach, is this the worst decade of Best Picture winners? Uh, I'll go with a simple no. I think it's uh, somewhere in the middle for me. It's kind of a step down after the... 70s which were pretty gangbusters um other than ending on Kramer versus Kramer which was not as strong as most of the other winners of the decade um it started off not very well for me ordinary people chariots of fire and I didn't love terms of endearment as much of others out of Africa's bad um but platoon and Amadeus and Gandhi are all high for me so it's it's one that kind of averages out. How about you, Mr. Workman? I'm having a hard time not saying yes. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Out of 62 films, halfway point being 31, seven of the decade's films are below 31 for me. Ah. So uh only three of those are in what I have now referred to as the slipping quality point, yeah. um, which is 45. So three of those, which are Driving Miss Daisy, Ordinary People, and Out of Africa, are in that area. Uh, Gandhi and Rain Man are kind of on the bubble. Chariots of Fire is not much higher. Last Emperor is the highest ranked of... Uh, the 80s films, Terms of Endearment, sitting in my top 20. And then Platoon and Amadeus are in my top 10, which is pretty much where I'm at with it not being the worst decade. Yeah. It's just, I've just had too many no's. And while the no's aren't egregious in half of the cases, more than half of the cases, there's still no's on seven films. I only have three films of the decade that I've said yes on. So I'm going to say this. Yes, this is the worst decade, but it is not the decade that produced the worst best pictures. That's a good, very good argument. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could see that. I think the thirties are still. Yeah. The worst Man, I'm still fighting with that. So I have five, yeah. five of my, uh, bottom 10 are in the 30s but three of my top 10 are in the 30s and i got my 11 is in the 30s as well so yeah 
Yeah. yeah. 30s is pretty. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. Uh, 30s, 30s may, may still be there, but it's, it's just hard for me to be, to say that a decade where I said seven films didn't deserve best picture. Right. And, you know, 30s, we're talking about really old films by now the 80s. People should know better. I don't know. Yeah, especially <laughs> yeah. especially when you're at a fucking ceremony where people are like you should know better. Yeah. So it's it's not like we're even looking back to 1989 and saying this. We have representation from 1989 of people saying this. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's our decade. That's that, and Thank you, guys. Uh, we did all the socials and stuff. So enjoy those. Uh, so how about we do? We'd like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up Adventure Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscars the Pod, and on Facebook at the Oscars the Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be more visible in the almighty algorithm. The algorithm. Uh-oh. The 80s. We've officially killed, you know, the uh, retro uh, do-everything 80s because we've determined it's not very good. Yeah, right. So yeah. fuck the 80s. Yeah, no, I've always Adam been Sandler, about that. find a new decade. Yeah. Pop music, find a new decade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So for Jonathan and Zach and uh, Florida Evans herself, Esther Roll, I would like for you all to have a damn fine decade.